Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you like, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. Don't forget, I have three other podcasts out there. From John to Justin, which looks at every single Prime Minister in Canadian history, and is currently on part two, looking at the opposition leaders who never became Prime Minister, and that releases every single Friday. I have Coast to Coast, which looks at the building of the Transcontinental Railway, and that releases every Thursday, and Canada's Great War, which looks at Canada during the First World War, and that releases every single Sunday. I do all of these podcasts full-time. The writing, the research, everything. So, if you support it, I greatly appreciate it, and I'll make sure to thank you on the air and throughout my social media. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. And if you enjoy the episode, please consider giving it a five-star review. Again, I'll thank you on the air and through social media. The community of Drayton Valley is unique among the towns that I've looked at on this podcast. While some towns have at least a century of history behind them, Drayton Valley is relatively new, only becoming a village in 1953. As a result, this will be a shorter episode than usual. Of course, as with every place in Canada, the true history of the community and its era goes back many centuries. For centuries, long before any Europeans ever set foot in Canada, the land around Drayton Valley was used by the indigenous as they hunted game and gathered food through the seasons. The land was primarily the domain of the Tsutsina people, but as the years went on and Europeans pushed in from the east, the Cree would begin to settle in the area, along with the Métis. While traders and explorers would move through the area occasionally, the first confirmed European to reach the area of Drayton Valley was David Thompson, the celebrated explorer who at the time was working for the Northwest Company. He would come through in the autumn of 1810 while traveling down the Pembina River. There was a great deal of mystery surrounding Thompson at this time too, as he recorded very little in his diary from September to October, which was highly unusual for him. This is likely due to the poor relations with the local indigenous and the difficulty in getting through the region for Thompson. The first settlers began to arrive in the early 20th century in 1907, 
working as farmers, lumbermen, and trappers in the district. At the time, no road to Edmonton and the North Saskatchewan River existed, and the entire area was very isolated. Lumbermen would haul felled trees to the river and then send them down North Saskatchewan to Edmonton for processing. The first known homesteaders in the area were William and Dora Drake and their child, Dolly. They lived near where the community now sits. Around this time, a small settlement sprang up in the River Valley and had the name of Powerhouse. The name was chosen because the land syndicate that owned most of the land in the area had plans to build a dam south of Drayton Valley in the 1910s, but the First World War ended that project. The Drakes ran the first post office in the area, but Powerhouse was already a name elsewhere, so they chose the name Drayton Valley by taking the first part of their name, adding Ton to it, and then Valley. The community would later move up from the River Valley to where the town now sits. During this time, Drayton Valley was mostly made up of two churches, a post office, and a school, with little else. Of course, even small towns are not free of crime, though. The first murder in the history of Drayton Valley would occur on May 27, 1922, and it was all over a borrowed suitcase. John Bosserman had borrowed a suitcase from Joe Starling, and sometime later Starling decided to pay a visit to Bosserman. He would arrive at his cabin where Bosserman was outside with his two sons. After talking about the weather and other items, Starling asked for the suitcase. Bosserman stated, quote, You can have the suitcase when you bring back my broadaxe. Starling then asked for $3 he had given Bosserman to transport some furniture, but which had never been carried out. Bosserman then threatened to shoot Starling and said he did not owe him any money. Starling, a First World War veteran, then left and told his brother-in-law, Louis Davies, about the encounter and Davies suggested they return the next evening. Bosman was not home and Bosman's wife stated that their son had been sent to Starling's place to return the suitcase and Starling gave her the axe he had borrowed. The next day, May 27th, Starling again went to Bosman's home to get the suitcase that had not been returned as he needed it because he was going out for work. When he and Davies knocked on the door, Bossman told them, quote, Clear out or I'll blow your brains out. End quote. Davies rushed in and with his hands raised said he didn't want any shooting. Bosserman then hit Davies in the head with the rifle and fired a bullet into his head. Starling soon fled and came back with a group of men to arrest Bosserman, who stated that he was temporarily insane and that Davies was going to stab him with a knife that was on his belt. On October 4th, 1922, Bosserman was sentenced to 20 years in prison, which he would serve in Prince Albert. Bosserman's family would soon be shunned by the community and forced to move away. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. In 1934, one local family had a scare when they looked up to see a meteor streaking in bright flames through the sky. Not realizing what it was, they were terrified and would spend the next two hours in their basement, believing that the world was going to end. The meteor had streaked across the three western provinces and the state of Montana before crashing somewhere in North America. 
I'd like to take a break away from the episode for a second to talk about ExploreNet. I spent most of my life living in rural areas in Canada, and I remember the days of dial-up internet and spotty high-speed service. For the past three years, I have been a customer of ExploreNet, and I can honestly say that it is the best rural internet I have ever had. My job as a podcaster means I spend a lot of time researching online, interviewing people over Zoom, and uploading content. Through it all, ExploreNet has provided me with excellent service. When I'm not working, I enjoy streaming content on several streaming platforms and even doing some online gaming with a friend in Ontario. ExploreNet allows me to do all of that with ease. Right now, they offer up to 50 megabits per second on their new LTE network with unlimited data. Their service has only become faster and better since I first signed on. Today and beyond, ExploreNet is investing in building and upgrading the network at a rapid pace. ExploreNet is rural, and that is their route, and that is their focus. For more information about rural internet options in your area, go to ExploreNet.com or call 1-866-285-2253. Drayton Valley would continue on, and in the 1930s, the community had 30 lumber camps, but the population still remained less than 100 people. During this time, locals and workers would come out to have events whenever they could. One example came in May of 1940 when lumberjacks from five local lumber camps held a boxing tournament to celebrate Victoria Day. As well, four teams played baseball to the delight of locals who came out to celebrate the day. By 1945, timber harvesting had cut down most of the forests in the area and farming would become the new industry for the area. By this point, 50 people lived in the community. Everything would change for Drayton Valley with the discovery of the Pembina oil field. The oil field was discovered in 1953 and would soon prove to be one of the largest and most prolific conventional oil fields in the entire province. Named for the Pembina River, the oil field taps the Cretaceous formations in the western Canada sedimentary basin, and when Mobile Oil decided to start drilling for oil in the region on February 23, 1953, it would spark an investment boom that would bring in a staggering $900 million in investment. It was believed at the time that oil was located about 5,300 feet below the ground, so a drill stem test was carried out. When they drilled, nothing flowed to the surface. They would continue drilling down 6,000, then 7,000, and finally to 9,425 feet with still no oil yet. The drillers decided to try a new technique called sand fracturing, which pumped 3,000 pounds of sand into the well at a pressure of 1,800 pounds per square inch. This created hairline fractures in the rock. This technique had never been used successfully in Canada, but on June 10, 1953, the well began to produce 72 barrels per day and would eventually max out at 285 barrels per day. The oil boom in Drayton Valley had begun. In 1953, Drayton Valley had a population of 50 people, but within one year of the discovery of the oil, its population ballooned to 2,000. People lived anywhere they could, in trailer parks, shacks, and tents. And with the sudden growth, the sleepy hamlet quickly became very different. The Wildcat Cafe was infamous in the region, with its women's servers who were rumored to be prostitutes in the all-night drinking sessions of new arrivals. On March 1, 1954, the Drayton Valley Townsite Act was passed by the Alberta government 
to create conditions to plan out the town of Drayton Valley. One part of the act prevented land speculation. Anyone who bought land was required to immediately obtain a development permit for the property and to also pay sewer and water charges. In May of that year, $500,000 worth of building permits were issued, which included a new hotel valued at $250,000. As well, two reservoirs were built totaling 240,000 gallons. In 1956, the community became a village, and on March 4, 1957, the first elections of town council were held, and Robert Clarkson became the first mayor. Without a doubt, one of the more interesting items to be found in Drayton Valley is Paul Bunyan's bowling ball. The ball is a spherical boulder that was discovered in the grounds of a farm in 1998. The ball weighs an immense 36,500 pounds. So what is it? Likely it was used by lumber crews of the area decades previous in a method of lumbering called bowling ball lumbering. These balls were sent down hills crashing into trees and snapping them down, allowing for easy harvesting, and many companies used them as they would save money and time for the company. I've actually visited this ball and it is huge, it's right on the side of the road and it's really cool to see, so I really do recommend checking it out if you're in the Drayton Valley area. If you would like to learn more about the history of Drayton Valley, then you should head over to the Drayton Valley Museum. This museum features 5,000 historic artifacts that explore the culture and development of Drayton Valley and the surrounding area. Some of the items located at the museum grounds include the All Saints Anglican Church, which was the first church built in Drayton Valley, outdoor machinery used by farmers over the years, a skit shack used by a local oil worker in 1961, and the El Dorado School, which was built in 1915 and was the first school in the area. I hope you enjoyed that episode and my look at Drayton Valley. If you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can reach me through email at craig at canadaehx.com. You can also visit my website where you'll find hundreds of articles on Canada's history as well as all my podcast episodes. Just go to canadaehx.com. And don't forget you can support the podcast through Patreon. There are multiple tiers to choose from, all with great benefits. You can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month just like all of these wonderful patrons have, and I apologize if I mispronounce any names. Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Randall McCallum, Diane Wade, Lorianne Kirby, Gary Dolovich, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Rawa, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. If you want, you can find me on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash CanadianHistoryX. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-E-A-I-R-D. And you can find me on Instagram. Just go to Bairdo37. Thanks. We'll see you again next time.